0: Sing to the Lord, sing to the Lord. Oh, lift every voice in a heavenly song and sing. up my voice in a heavenly song to the Lord Oh hallelujah Yes hallelujah Oh hallelujah up my voice with a heavenly song, I worship you, Lord, I worship you, Lord, I lift up my voice with a heavenly song. Worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Worship. you again and again, cause all that I have is a hallelujah, hallelujah, and I know it's not much, but I've nothing else for my King, except for a heart singing hallelujah. Ah So I throw up my hands and praise you again and again. And all that I have is a hallelujah, hallelujah. I know it's not much, but I've nothing else for my King for a heart singing Hallelujah Hallelujah nothing more place I'd rather be, oh take me to your presence, there's no other place I'd rather be.
1: the day of Pentecost had come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, and as we know, they were all filled with the Spirit of God and began to speak with other tongues. But then Peter goes on later to explain in verse 17, or verse 16, but this is what was spoken of the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh well, father this morning i thank you on this day of pentecost father for the suddenlies in this nation in this world in this city and father in this church and in the lives of these people here father i thank you lord that you are pouring out your spirit upon all flesh Pour out your spirit upon all in this room, Father God. That, Lord, we would be vessels of honor, sanctified and set apart, useful for you, ready to receive the new wine of God. Just magnify you and exalt you in this place, Jesus. You are so worthy of all praise and honor, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It's your name, Jesus. Bless you, Lord. We exalt you. We magnify you, Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> amen, amen, amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. I'm not going to teach on tithes and offerings this morning, so I think just to do so, we'll go ahead and receive that this morning if the ushers want to wait on the people. I do want to encourage you, though, and we've had a lot of new people, and so you might not know and understand fully how this works, but if you need an envelope, the ushers will get you one of these, and we ask that you do that and fill that out, because that gives us the opportunity to give you a receipt at the end of the year that you can use on your taxes. Um, so and, and if you don't fill it out, we we always try and get that done for you as ushers, but you know to help them guys when they're counting the money and things like that if you'll take the time to do that. And after you've filled it out once or twice with your name and address, after that, you just pop your name on there, the amount where you want it to go. the accountants you know have logged in after the first time or two. so um, but if you don't ever fill this out, then we also don't know maybe you want to proportion that money somewhere else. Uh, but if it's just your ties and your uh, your general offerings, you know that's what that general fund is for. If we have special stuff going on, we'll tell you how to designate that if you wanted to give to those things. But please do utilize those envelopes. It just makes the the guys' lives a little easier for counting. So. Like I mentioned earlier when Abra and I were talking, you know, it's an it's a honor, it's a blessing to have the opportunity to be able to stand behind this pulpit and to preach the word of God. But ultimately, we just want what God wants. And so, you know, I prayed this morning that the Holy Spirit, he would just come and do a, do a work in all of our hearts because that's what we need, you know. And, and he's the one that can take what anybody says and make it real to us. And so, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, Pastor's been talking about the Holy Spirit and the things of God, or the Spirit of God and the outpouring and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus told His disciples before before He went back to heaven, after He'd been raised from the dead, don't do anything until you get the Holy Spirit. Wait for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, because that's when you'll receive power. You'll become witnesses for me, so on and so forth. So... Obviously, it holds of great importance, and I was kind of wanting to go down that route here this morning and talk a bit about that, because one of the greatest myths that are out there that people talk about when it comes to the infilling of the Holy Spirit is they say, well, yeah, that, was, that happened back then, but that was for the apostles. Or sometimes I've even heard people say, oh, it's just for leadership. It's not something that's for everybody, um, and that's, that's just not biblically true. You know, I, I see where they come up with that. I get it. You know, I can understand their train of thought behind it. But, you know, the Word of God should always be something you're two or more witnesses. You can find it again. If you, if you find a scripture and you think, oh, that's something new I've never really heard before. If you can't find anything else in the Bible to back that up, you might be want to consider the fact that there might be a misinterpretation there. And that's what's gotten so cloudy about the Holy Spirit is because there's been a lot of misinterpretations because they'll read one scripture, just like the one, and I think Pastor may have already mentioned it, how tongues have ceased. You know, in 1 Corinthians 13, or 2 Corinthians 13, one of them too. How tongues have ceased. Well, if tongues have ceased, knowledge has ceased, wisdom has ceased, so many of these other things have ceased and that's just not true. We're all, I mean, just as the world as a whole, they're still learning, there's still wisdom. And, and so we take one scripture out of context and besides that, I speak in tongues. So why? What do you mean it's ceased? What am I doing then? Because I know it ain't of Satan. So <laughs> you can't convince me otherwise. So anyway, there's a lot of mystery about that. And, and gee, I wonder why it's so cloudy. What is, why would such an item from God, a gift from God, be cloudy? You know, and why would it be hard to understand and confusing and we're just not sure and so many different back and forth? To me, that makes it pretty darn obvious this is something Satan don't want you to get a hold of. And that's really what I'm going to talk a little bit more about today is how many of you would agree that God is, God is doing some things? You know, and I know not all of you have been part of Harvest Church for a long, long time, but uh, those of you one year ago today compared to today, it's just a little bit different here at Harvest Church, right? It's, it's maybe, maybe just a little more full of life. Not that we were dead or doing anything wrong, but God is moving. I mean, just the display of the Spirit and, and the, the, the the presence of God in this place like I've never experienced in my life. And it's not just here. You can carry that off with you anywhere. God is moving. Well, if God moves, do you think Satan's going to sit back and just go, shucks, they're really doing a lot of cool stuff over there. I don't like that. That hurts my kingdom. They're getting people saved, healed filled with the Spirit, these are all the opposite of what I want to do. Darn it. Shucks. I wish they would stop. What what can I do about it? No. He hates your guts. He hates everything that has to do with God. He's a complete enemy, the complete opposite of God. Do you think he's just going to sit around and do nothing about it? And I don't say that to you to scare you. I say that to you to point out the obvious. And if it wasn't obvious, well, let's make it obvious. Again, you know, if if we're over here destroying his kingdom and we're attacking his kingdom and tearing down his walls, taking down his strongholds, he's not going to just sit back. He's not going to just run and put his tail between his legs and hide in a corner. He's going to try and do something about it. Can he? Can he stop us? No. So again, it's not something to be afraid of. But be wise of that. And so I want to talk a little bit about that this morning just to open your eyes because God is moving. So is Satan. We don't give a rip. He can do whatever he wants. I mean, fly a kite for all I care. But he's not just going to stand back and not try and mess up your life, not try and mess up this church, not try and stop what's going on in this nation. He's been doing pretty darn good in this nation, and he's getting his way. But that's coming to a stop. That's already being thwarted and destroyed. And it's coming, tumbling down, and there's nothing he can do to stop it, but he's sure going to try. I mean, I guess, I guess you can't blame him for trying. I mean, you don't, again, you don't stand a chance. It's pretty stupid, but then what, what does he do that's not? Right? So let's not sit here and be ignorant of the obvious. And so many times Satan makes an attack in our own personal lives, and we just totally lose it. We come crumbling down, and and it and it just rocks our world. And I'm not making light of it. I'm not making light of bad of bad situations in our lives because no, they're terrible. Nobody wants that. When bad things happen, or someone gets sick, someone gets hurt, we lose a loved one, whatever it might be. Those aren't good things. We live in a broken world, man. Things screwed up. You know, things are messed up around here pretty bad. So let's go over to 1 Peter and look at a few things here. Go to 1 Peter chapter 4. We'll start in verse 12. We're going to kind of jump around a little bit in 1 Peter, and I think we might get over to Jude. We'll see what happens here. 1 Peter chapter 4, and we'll start in verse 12. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. My God, my vehicle broke down. I just, I can't believe it. it just or whatever it might be, a sickness comes on my I just can't believe it. Why would this ever happen to me? I love God. I've been serving God. I've been trying... Again, I'm making a joke out of it. You, uh, for those of you who haven't heard me preach, you're going to have to start lightening up pretty quick. Because I, 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 I just work that way. So I can't be too serious too long. Just ask my wife. It drives her nuts. But as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice. To the extent that you partake in Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. That sounds like the exact opposite of what 99.9% of us do, right? And I'm guilty of this. Something bad happens. We don't go, praise the Lord. We go, oh me, oh my. And some other words that I won't say from the pulpit. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. That just sounds tilt, doesn't it, as to the way of the world? For the Spirit of the Lord and of God rest upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. Think of it this way. If you never get attacked, you obviously ain't stirring much of anything up. You know? If nothing ever comes against you and Satan's never trying to pin you down, then obviously he's not real worried about you either. And if you're not getting attacked, I'm not picking on anyone or saying anything, but you know, I, I should have looked this up. This is just quickened to me. When some of the wannabe disciples saw Paul running around and doing miracles, and they thought, that's cool. I want to do that. And so they went out and tried to do some things in the name of Jesus, but they didn't understand what it was and how to operate in it. And so they were, and I don't know where this is at in the book of Acts somewhere. So they went up to this dude possessed with a demon, right? And they thought, oh, I, we've seen Paul do this. We can just go up there and lay hands on him in the name of Jesus, and they'll have to do Well, they wanted the glory was what the problem was. They thought they were pretty cool. Nothing to do with them. By the way, if you didn't know all that's going on in the world right now and what God's moving and doing has nothing to do with you. Sorry to burst your bubble. He's going to use you. He wants to use you most definitely. Don't misread that. But it's not about us. It's about him. The awesome part is, is he uses us, and he blesses the crap out of us along the way. But it's not about us. It's about him. So anyway, we, don't, we can't have an attitude of, oh, look what I can do. Look how good I can preach. Look how good I can lay hands on people. It's just not going to work like that. It won't. He won't allow the glory to be shifted. So these dudes went up and laid hands on this, th- on this demon-possessed person. And the, the demon goes, because they use the name of Jesus, and they also use the name of Paul. And the, the Jesus that Paul prays in is what they're knuckleheads. So anyway, he, this demon looks right at him and goes, Jesus I know. Paul I know. You, I don't know, and then they, they got their butts whooped. They got, they got it handed to them because they were out of order. They weren't doing it right. But what I've always taken out of that is those demons, who, that demon who's never even encountered Paul before knew who Paul was. Does Satan know who you are? Is your, your name worth putting on his hit list? Or is he not worried about you? You know, and I don't mean that in a negative fashion because it's nice not to be attacked. Don't get me wrong. But if we're not pushing in and stirring the pot and attacking his kingdom, then he's not going to be after us. And and so, therefore, if we aren't ever experiencing a little bit of fiery trials in our life, we might want to do a little bit of a spiritual checkup and say, hey, you know, what am I doing for the kingdom of God that's torquing off the devil? Because that's part of the goal, you know. <laughs> him. So anyway, let's jump over to 1 Peter 5. And I, you look at, again, like Pastor Hank said in that letter, it don't look like things are moving right in this world. It looks like things are going the wrong direction. And, and maybe in your own personal life, things might look like they're going the wrong direction. You know, we, we personally had a really interesting week, to say the least, with some of the stuff we're dealing with with the adoption on the kiddos. It just totally went the wrong direction. So do did, do I have not in my own heart the knowledge of what God has told me personally of how this is going to go? Yeah. So what, what does here and now matter? Of course we get thrown a curveball. This is the will of God we're pursuing here. Not going to just sit back and, oh, everybody's just going to love the idea. Yeah, we do. We love the idea because we know it's the will of God. Not everybody in the picture that's involved in this process exactly knows God, let alone gives a rip what God thinks. But rather, they're set up as pawns sometimes to just be a thorn in your side to see if they can bring you down with them. Where was I going with that? So anyway... Same thing with what's going on in the nation. You know, it might look like it's going the other direction. Well, Satan can see what's coming his way. We have this horrible problem of these just natural eyes that get in our road, and all we can see is a few feet in front of us, and it just leaves us so blinded and clueless. I don't care if it's twenty-twenty vision or not. We can't see much with these earthly eyes. And that's why it's important we get in his presence. We get into the spirit. We pray in other tongues because it takes our our dumb little boneheaded eyes out of the way and gives us the ability to see the bigger picture and recognize that there's some big things going on right now. God is moving. And if God's in the heavenlies turning over everything the strongholds of the enemies put over this nation, do you think he's just going to lay back and take it? He's going to thrash and moan and all the other things that go along with it in hopes that we would get tired or weary and well-doing or say, oh, I guess God was wrong. His prophets were wrong. None of this stuff's seeming to come to pass. Well, I thought it should have happened way back then, so I guess it's not going to happen and throw in the towel. And then guess what? We hand it back over. But we aren't doing that here at Harvest Church. So if you, want, if you want to lay down and quit, it's going to be a little tough around here because we're going to probably poke and prod you a whole bunch. Maybe even some kicking involved. So, no, I won't kick you. 1 Peter chapter 5. So, what do we do with this? What do we do with this when these attacks are coming? Because they're going to come. We'll get into that here in a second. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, I want to point something out there. Satan's running around like a roaring lion. And you've probably heard it preached and said before, like a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion. He's not a lion. That's, that's Jesus' spot. He don't get that but he's like a roaring lion, mostly in our own eyes. Seeking whom he may devour. Well, he hates all of our guts. He wants to devour all of us, so why doesn't he just do it if he could do it? He can't. He don't have that authority in your life to come and devour you and take you out and kill you. He doesn't. We have to give it to him. But we are in his little world down here, And he's not just going to sit back and let us walk a perfect, oh, hum, float on a cloud's life. You know, if you thought becoming a Christian was just going to be hitting the easy button, sorry, that isn't going to work. Unless, of course, you want to be a watered-down, lukewarm, you know, sugar-puff Christian that's not, you're going to have to go to a different church because that won't work here. Then he'll probably leave you alone for the most part because you're no damage to him. And it, by the grace of God, maybe you'll skid into heaven on your knees all beat the tar and looking like a mess. But I don't want to do that. I want to go in there all beat the tar looking like a mess, but it's because I fought. You know, I'm good with that. I have no issues with that. But why just, why just hide in a corner and pray my little prayers and hope to God Jesus comes back soon because I can't take this no more? No. He goes about seeking who he whom he may devour. He'll do it if you let him, but he can't. He can't just come in, but he'll come in and try screwing with your mind and get you to start thinking differently, which might get you to start talking differently, which might get you to start acting differently, which might then start working you to put yourself in a position to get wiped out. But he can't just come in and do it. So recognize that. But again, he's doing it. He's seeking He's looking for somebody to take out. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Resist him, and he will flee, as another scripture says. There's not much he can do if you just, go on, get. It's really that simple. Hardy, har, har, fun, fun, go on, get. You know, I'm not interested today. I'm not interested tomorrow. Even though I know you'll be back tomorrow. But I'll tell you the same thing tomorrow. Go on. Get. (laughs) That's why we need to be steadfast in our faith. We need to be in the Word. We need to be in His presence. We need to be praying in other tongues, building ourselves up. Be in the faith to resist Him and and to send Him kicking. And then... You know, one of the main things Satan does is he isolates. You ever heard the expression, divide and conquer? You know, that's where everybody got it from. It was his, It's his main MO. He's always been like that. Ah, oh, man, I'm the only one that's ever dealt with anything like this before. I'm the only person who's ever screwed up this much in my life that God can't fix me. It's, it's just me. I'm the only person that's ever had a sickness in my body like this. I'm the only person that's ever dealt with anxiety and depression. I'm the only person that has this type of a background. No one else has ever had a screwed up family background. You know, if you understood my background, then you would understand that that's why I have the troubles I have. And, I'm, and don't, don't misread me. But recognize the tactic right there. He's isolating you. He's filling your head full of lies, so you'll isolate yourself. Because if he can get you away from the brethren and get you out of the Word of God and get you out of the presence of God, then he might be able to devour you and take you out. That's his goal. Then you can't hurt him no more. But you're not the only one. You're not. You know, we see that in all the self-help stuff out there, too, you know. You know, a lot of them try to tap into that, and they're missing the key ingredient of Jesus. But, good, they're trying, you know, nothing wrong with that. But they're trying to get people to recognize they're not on their own. They're not alone. There are lots of people dealing with it because there's only so many things the devil has to use against people. So, yeah, you're not the only one. So don't let them isolate Then we also need to recognize something else. You know, that, that in our own lives, that if, if we're going to seek God and we're going to pursue the things of God and God is going to start moving and using us in our lives, if you're going to start going out of your way praying for people that need healing and things and you're going to start doing that and you're going to start preaching the gospel for people, he's going to come after you. But again, he don't stand a chance. So what? Let him throw crap at you just throw back. <laughs> throw the word back at him, he has to scoot off and run, and you keep moving forward. No matter what he does to you, it doesn't change the word of God. It doesn't change the end result. Like I said said in this situation, our our whole situation was stacking up for perfection. It was like, my God, it's going to happen. This, this is going to happen. We're going to be signing papers here right, real short-like, and then we start thinking, okay, and then, hey, by school year, what we'll ought to be able to... Have some names changed and all that good stuff. And some of you kind of know what's going on. Some of you don't. But it just went to poop. <laughs> Complete 180. It's like we are back where we were months ago. But does that change the the scriptures, the rhema words of God, that God has spoken to my heart, telling me and convincing my heart of this years ago, of what we're supposed to do with this situation? No. I don't give a rip when it happens. It's going to happen. That's all I know. So, so what? We move forward. Curveball, he tacks. Just keep moving forward. The end result is always the same. The end result in your life is the same. God wants you blessed. He wants to use you. He wants to, to promote the things of God through you. That never changes and never will but also recognize that as a church, God's moving here at Harvest Church. If you haven't seen that or recognized that, then it's time to wake up. God is moving at Harvest Church. Are we something special here? No. In God's eyes, we are, but we kind of all are. That's what's pretty cool about Him. But no, we're not like the only church. Around it's it's the other same way too. Sometimes we get on our own little high horse. I don't know. We're pretty special here at Harvest Church. Look what God's doing. I, nobody else is experiencing that. Yeah, right. God's up to stuff. He's doing this, and I've always said for years, and it's starting to starting to happen, that there's little churches like this all over the place, all over the place, and got and they've had faithful ministers like ours for years. And God is moving in all these places. And one of these days, we're all going to rise up above the clouds and look around and go, I'll be doggone. You were doing the same thing. We're, look at all this. And we're just going to join hands and go. And that, that's just it. It's the same thing. So God is moving here at Harvest Church, and God is moving all across this nation and across the world, setting up these things for this upcoming revival that's already starting to unleash in certain places. Do you think Satan's just going to sit back No, not at all. What's the number one thing, or what's the thing that got Satan kicked out of heaven? Does anybody know? Pride. So what do you think he'll try and do? Well, did you guys hear how good I preached this morning? You know, pastor's a good preacher, don't get me wrong, but this was something pretty special. Maybe I could start working some of you guys over and we'll just, you know, start wedging him out. You know, he is getting older. It's probably time. to. I don't want it. I know my place. It's an honor to be up here. Don't get me wrong, but I know my place. This isn't where I'm at full time. Not by any means. But stuff like that can start creeping in. Or even better yet, let's go to Jude. Jude was going to write the apostles about salvation, or not the apostles, but I I don't know. My brain's a little foggy this morning, but just bear with me. He was writing this letter to whoever it was he was writing this letter to, I can't come up with it right now, to tell them about the basic salvation, just exhort them, encourage them, and he couldn't do it because of this kind of stuff that I'm talking about was creeping into this church. So let's just start at the beginning. Jude chapter one, verse three. Beloved, I while I was very diligent to write you concerning for our common salvation, I found it necessary to write you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once delivered for all was what which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago and have been marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turned the grace of our God into lewdness and deny, only, deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So here he is writing a letter about people who want to come into a place like this and screw this all up. Now, I know we got some new people coming around. I'm not talking about you. Take a deep breath. I'm not picking on you. Besides, I'll just say this. With the leadership we have here, with Pastor Mike and Kathy, good luck. And I thank God for good, strong leadership like that because there have been so many churches that I've seen get destroyed by contentious people, by ungrateful people, by divisive people. Not even the preacher, but the preacher, he wasn't a shepherd. He didn't deal with it. He didn't protect his flock. This man will do that. And I thank God for that. We have a strong leader who is a true shepherd. if you get out of line, he'll put you back in your place. I've been there, I've been there, and I'm and I'm thankful for that. Very thankful for that. Here's some descriptions of these, and I'll just kind of keep jumping ahead. I don't want to read the entire Book of Jude to you. Jude one eight. Likewise, also, uh, likewise, also, these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak out evil of dignitaries. If somebody comes to you and wants to start gossiping about Pastor or Pastor Kathy or Abe or myself and my family, watch out. That's bad, bad grounds to get into. Gossiping about the leaders of the church. Griping and complaining about the leaders of the church. Now, it doesn't mean you can't be upset or frustrated and come to the leadership and ask, Hey, I don't get that. Why did you say that? Why did you do that? Please explain it to me. That's okay. But to go around to other brethren in the circle or go out and about and to start mouthing off, you know what they said? You know what they said? And you probably totally took it out of context anyway. You know what I mean? And (laughs) I've heard about, I get a behind this, pulpit, what, two, three times a year kind of thing? And it seems like every time I do it, I hear about someone else out and about Do you hear what he said? And it's not coming from our people. I swear there's always a visitor here. Do we have any visitors first time this morning? I swear there's always a visitor here the first time, and I say something, and then it's just out there that I'm just, uh, and it's like, whatever. Totally took it out of context, but do you think I could give a rip? I don't know, whatever. But it's just funny. It's like it always happens, but if that were to start happening within the church, and I— Let me just clue you. It's going to happen at some point in time because Satan's not going to sit back and not do anything. You're going to have an opportunity to participate in griping and complaining about the things that are happening here at Harvest Church. You will have that opportunity. It's on its way if you haven't already had it. So it's going to happen. Don't get into that. That's dangerous territory. Very dangerous territory. Jude 12. These are spots in your love feast. While they feast with you without fear, serving themselves, they are clouds without water, carried about by the winds, late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame, wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness and darkness forever. These people come in, they look the look, they talk the talk, but they fake the walk. They're not doing it for real. They're faking it. They make a big fuss and stink, but there's zero fruit in their lives. You know, Jesus told us, judge a tree by its fruit. You know, don't take long to look at a person's life and start figuring out what's going on real fast. And so don't let these people, because they're coming. They're, they'll be coming. Because, again, God's not going to move and not have anything happen. But don't worry. We've got strong leadership. They'll deal with it. So don't come up to leadership or other people and go, did you hear what they said? Don't do that either. That's not good either. We don't want that gossiping thing. That gossiping thing is unhealthy. It's a cancer, and it starts in the root. That's what's so dangerous about it, is it gets into the root and kills the whole thing, and you don't even see it coming. And then before you know it, this whole thing we got going here just blows up and falls apart. And that's it. Then it's done. We killed it. We don't want to do that. So just be careful of that gossiping thing. Stay away from it. It's not worth it. Let's let's speak of high regard. Let's exhort our leadership. If they do something that we don't think is right, let's pray for them. God will take care of it. Even if he gets out of order. Well, have you met Apostle Mike Keys? You wanna you wanna get out of order with him? You know, that's one of the leaders in his in pastors life, and that dude's kind of a no BS kind of dude. I, I wouldn't think. Uh, an out-of-order meeting with him where he's going to straighten you out would be very fun. But he'd get the job done. Okay, 116, Jude 116, these are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lust. They mouth great swelling words, fl- flattering people to gain knowledge. Have you ever dealt with a really good used car salesman? Or they just blow smoke. I mean, this thing is the Cadillac of cars, and it's going to be the dream you're after. And But you hit the hit the road out of the parking lot, and the bumper falls off, and there's that knock, and just the whole thing goes, you know. Th- that's what these people are, you know. If you're a used car salesman, I'm not talking about you. I've got to watch what I'm saying up here. Otherwise, I'm going to have hear about it out in the street somewhere again. And... Anyway. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own godly lust. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the spirit. I wrote down, they're highly emotional usually. They're up, then they're down. They're in, then they're out. They're compliance. uh, They're complaining the whole way. And I got, again, they cause divisions. They divide and conquer. That's, that's Satan's MO. If we can start isolating, we can get a group of people over here that are griping and complaining about this. Then we can get a group of people over there that are griping and complaining about this. And then these people are upset with how we run the church this way. And then that person's upset with what Pastor said a month ago. And, and you start getting these groups off and everything's starting to be divided. Guess what? Satan's conquering the church. And he's going to shut it down. Because he's going around looking who he can seek to devour well, it won't happen here. And so we just talk about this stuff so we can be aware of it. And when it happens, you know, just leave it alone. Walk away from it. If somebody's griping and complaining about something, just walk away from it. Don't get in agreement with that. And and that doesn't mean you've got to run to pasture and rat them out, you know, just like our kids do to each other all the time. Look <laughs> what they did. Don't care. Did you deal with it? <laughs> you know, we're trying to teach them not to be little, ratting each other out all the time. It's the same thing. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want to make it sound like you can't approach pastor. And if there's some serious stuff going on, that, that's, that's wisdom. But just don't get involved with that. And or if it's just minor little piddly stuff, pray for that person. Better yet, pray for peace. Pray for unity. Pray for the confusion to be lifted and that their minds would become clear and they could see a situation for what it was for. And let alone what Jude tells us to do here. Let's go, let's go on in verse 20. But you, he's talking to us right here in this room. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ under eternal life. Praying tongues, that keeps you really straightened out. That's good stuff, man. That is good stuff. Stay in God's presence. You sit in his presence, all that crap just melts off. It just, it just goes. You can get all wound up about stuff. You can get all stewed as your day goes on because this happened, that happened, this happened, that happened. And, and, and we can even get into self-pity sometimes. Well, if I do not have done this, I wouldn't have screwed that up, and I screwed this up, so that's because this happened. And oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Just get in his presence. It'll all melt away. But if we don't take the time to do it, we can get into a mess, too. And we got to stay in his mercy. You know, he gave us mercy. We definitely need to extend others' mercy. So if that person comes to you griping and complaining a little bit, don't be a butthead. Just pray for them. They'll get it. Extend that mercy. Extend that love. Just thank God he did to us. Jump over to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, I think. Let me find it, make sure I'm leading you the right way here. Yeah, check 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 10. Now, here's something else I want to point out. Because here again, Satan's main MO is to get you isolated. You this, you that. You know, the only reason this is happening in your life is because of this. The only reason that happened is because you did this. You know, who are you to think that you deserve to sit in a pew there? Who are you to think you deserve to be in a position of teaching others or serving at the church doing this? You know, serving in the children's ministry. Let me look at your life. You're a mess. You know, he'll just keep filling your head with this stuff and pulling you off to the side, pulling you off to the side, trying to get you out, get you down on yourself. Because then you're in a spot where you're just stewing and and rolling and mowing and, and you're not. You're not going to be able to produce for the kingdom of God. And so I want I want to differentiate something. I had never seen this before, and God pointed this out to me, and I thought it was really interesting. Because, you know, we go to God then with our problems. We screw up, because we we screw up, okay? Let's just recognize that. You know. Everybody else in this room besides you has got it all figured out. How many of you guys have heard that in your head before, basically, right? I know I have, you know, geez louise, here are all these people that come into this church, their lives are just great, and everything's going well, and they don't struggle with this, they don't struggle with sin, they don't struggle with wrong thought life, I'm just a mess over here. What is that? Same thing. Isolating, pulling it off to the side, you're the only one, because you're, you're a mess. That's what Satan's going to try and tell you. So we go to God with our problems, our sins, our things, even habitual sins, our problems like that. We go to him and and we 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 want to repent. We try and repent, but we also know that it's just not going to stick and stay. And so then before we know it, we go back into that habitual sin that we we tried to repent of, and it just keeps coming back and becoming a problem whether it's a thought life, it's a foul mouth, uh uh a drug habit, or whatever it is, you know, whatever it don't matter. It's in sin. So, whatever maybe that item is, and whatever's bothering you in your life, we we keep going back to that item, and it keeps messing us up. And then we 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 get into sorrow about it. But there's different kinds of sorrow, and that's what I want to point out here. Second Corinthians chapter seven and verse ten: For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation. Not to be regretted. But the sorrow of the world produces death. And and so again, I think I know Satan's picking on a lot of people in here. And he's badgering you. And he's hammering you. And he's trying to make belittle you and make you feel insignificant. He's trying to make you feel worthless. He's trying to make you feel like you don't count and that you have nothing to contribute, and he just keeps hammering you. And, and maybe in, in some cases it's due to things we're doing wrong, you know, sin in our life, things that we keep returning to and we can't seem to overcome. And and he uses that against us to keep degrading us and to breaking us down and to, and to, to pulling us out and separating us from everybody else and trying to get us in a place where he can devour us. And so... We get frustrated because we maybe went to God about these things and it just didn't work and, and it and it just keeps becoming a problem and it's like, God, I can't just kick this thing and get rid of it. Well, godly sorrow leads to repentance. And and so we start getting sorrowful. And we start getting upset with ourselves. And it actually, if we're if we're not careful, we get worldly sorrow on us. I'm sorry. I feel bad about that. I feel like crap about that. I feel like a piece of about that. And, and that's that's worldly sorrow and that, that can get us into trouble because then actually Satan turns around and uses that worldly sorrow where we feel like a worthless and starts beating us up even more and starts pulling us down and, and we find ourselves drifting out of the presence of God because God, how can I keep going back to him again oh, look what I've done, I just keep doing this dumb thing, I keep acting like that I keep saying that, I keep Whatever it is, and it just keeps messing us up, and then we, we, we get into that sorrow. Yeah, we're sorry for it, but it's not the right kind of sorrow, and it actually tears us apart even more and gets us into the wrong position. But godly sorrow leads to repentance and without regret. And so what's the difference? You know, well, God will put it in your heart to know that that's not right and to feel, in a sense, feel bad about it, but it's not even that. As much as we just recognize that, that's got to go. That, that doesn't belong here in His presence. And so if we allow the worldly sorrow to come on us, we'll start drifting away from His presence because we, we, feel, we feel bad. We don't want to address Him with this attitude, with this habit, whatever it might be. And so we beat ourselves up and start drifting from God. And I've always said this, if you're dealing with something habitually in your life, don't avoid God. It's not like he don't know. (laughs) It's no secret to him. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's pornography. I don't care if it's drugs. I don't care if it's just a terrible attitude. I don't care if it's a gossip attitude. I don't care what it is. Rather, keep going to him. Go more. Hit it harder. Hit his presence even harder. And you'll understand real quick, what godly sorrow is and that godly sorrow comes with such a mercy and such a grace such a love that just melts those things away but if we take on worldly sorrow and we start beating ourselves up over it because yeah we know it's wrong and it ain't right we'll start drifting from god instead and it's so important in these days ahead and even here now and it's always been We just need to be in his presence. Because then again, those things that we want to grumble and complain about, that maybe someone else in the church even inspired us to grumble and complain about, they just melt away. They just go away. You know, when I found out that this whole thing with the kiddos took a hard, sharp turn, I was upset. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. And I'm ready to just, you know. I am man, hear me roar. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to fix this. Dummy. It's already been taken care of. What What am I going to do? Get in the way and mess it up, hand it off, screw it up so it can't get done? And then you can start playing mind games where you're saying, well, why did this happen? Is it because I did this? Is it because of that? I mean, what's making this thing? No, it's a broken, stupid world, and the enemy doesn't like what I'm up to. He wants to jack with us and knock us down a peg and get, see if he can get me to start saying and doing something stupid so I can eradicate what God's doing in our lives. Don't get into that. Rather, push in. So I get a chance and I go sit down with him, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the one that's told me several things about this. And it's just suddenly it melts away. It's like, who gives a rip? Who gives a rip? <laughs> Do what you want. Try but the end result's the same. Nothing's going to change here. So I just wanted to encourage you. Don't allow that isolation to come. Come, Don't allow that gossip to come. Don't allow that hidden motive and agenda to come. But recognize that stuff and just shake it off. Get into his presence more. If you're spirit-filled, pray in tongues more. If you're not spirit-filled, seek him. Seek him about being spirit-filled because it's good. It's so good. (laughs) It's wonderful. Amen? Because I believe Suddenly, You know, we started off this morning talking about suddenly. On the day of Pentecost, suddenly there was a mighty rushing wind. And what appeared to be tongues of fire sat on each one of them boys. And then they went out. A bunch of knucklehead fishermen went out, and over 3,000 people got saved that day. Do you think one hour before that they had any idea? I think five minutes before that they had any inclination what was about to happen and how powerful God can move in us suddenly? That's what's happening. God is moving. And so just be expecting those suddenlies. Get into his face. Get into his presence. Pray in tongues like never before. And when these things come, which they will come, guaranteed, and maybe you've already dealt with some of the grumblers and the complainers, whatever it might be, but I know for a fact that many of us are dealing with the hidden thoughts and pressures and the isolation methods of the enemy. I know for a fact. And so recognize that. You must be something worth taking out. You must be a threat. So don't get down on yourself. Don't get depressed. Don't get upset. Don't thi- definitely don't think you're the only one. Rather recognize something. Wait a minute. If he's willing to take the time to harass me like this, there must be some good things around the corner. And that's the attitude we got to cop we do. We need to have that kind of attitude and say, okay, all right, I see you messing with me. Something good coming, ain't there? Just expect God even more. Slap him right back. Smack him right back. Take a hunk of his kingdom and bury it. Shove it down. Get rid of it. Amen? Suddenly's they are on their way. I'm going to go back to Acts chapter 1 as we end this. Acts chapter 2, if I can find it. And hit those two verses again as you go out today. Chapter 2, verse 1, When the day of Pentecost had, come, had fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place, and suddenly. He is a God of suddenlies. Like I said, that day, that moment, over 3,000 got saved. The church was birth. Things never, ever We're the same in this world. The entire world was changed by that suddenly, that one word. And that's all it takes in your life. And that's what's breaking forth. And I don't care what you're dealing with suddenly. So hold God to us suddenly. He loves it when we do. He loves it when we put pressure on him. He's got pretty broad shoulders. He can handle your request. I guarantee it. He can handle your faith. He can handle you pushing him to move. He can do it. So be bold. Be confident. Access his throne of grace in time of need. And then down in verse 17, And it shall come to pass in the last days, who would agree, the last days, says God that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. God is pouring out his spirit in suddenly awesome ways. Right here right now amen father we just thank you for today i thank you lord for your word and i thank you holy spirit you are the great teacher i ask that you instruct our hearts today you teach us and you cause these words to become fruit in our lives father god your word to become fruit in our lives that we would not just be hearers lord but we would be doers Lord, we thank you for the warnings, and and we take heed to the warnings from your word today. And we recognize our enemy, but we also recognize his uselessness, his inabilities, and his fakeness, Father God. And Lord, we just recognize you and your faithfulness, your commitment to us, and your commitment to this nation. And so, Lord, I thank you for pouring out your spirit at Harvest Church In suddenlies, and Lord, I thank you for pouring out your spirit in the United States of America. In suddenlies, in Jesus' mighty name. Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. If you're here today and you need prayer, whether it's for healing, health, or just downright because, if this that I mentioned about this, the godly sorrow versus worldly sorrow because the Satan's beating you up. I'd be happy to pray with you. Join my faith with you. So if you're here today and that's you and you want to come forward, I'd be happy to play with Play. We'll play. We can play. But we'll pray. And I just want to encourage you to receive what God's got in store. Amen. Anyone? then I'm just going to pray this way, because I know you're here. I know some of you are dealing with this. Father, I just thank you for bringing revelation and understanding to all of us that we're not alone in this, Father God. And I thank you, Lord, that we won't get caught up in worldly sorrow, which turns into badgering ourselves, doing doing the work that the enemy started, where he badgered us, and we continue to badger ourselves. But, Father, rather we would recognize That you have called us. You have gifted us. You have given us your grace, Father. We are anointed of you. We have been separated by you. And Satan can't pull us back down again. So, Father, I just thank you for that, that attitude to come upon the people of Harvest Church They would take on that bulldog attitude, recognizing who they are in you, Father. And they would tell Satan to take a hike. And Father, I thank you that you bring comfort, peace, joy, and love in Jesus' mighty name to all these people. Amen, amen, amen. No prayer Wednesday. I just want to make sure we're done here. Thank you, Father. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So you get Wednesday night off, be here next Sunday, and be looking for God to move. Get out there and turn some stuff up. Tear up Satan's kingdom. Have some fun with it. Make a mess for him. So, Amen? amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week.